Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Baka 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 Podcast. Yeah, you know, Baka! 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 Baka. It's amazing how every time you open your mouth, you prove you're an idiot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Baka Baka Baka. We are an anime podcast. Every two weeks, we watch an anime, we come together, and we talk about it, and we're entering into a horror stretch of, of anime because that's what's been popping up. And we are talking about Higurashi when they cry gal, uh, the new Higurashi when they cry. And to talk about it, I need the help of my co-host. First off, we have the Doki Doki to my literature club. It's Jeremy. Hey, how's How you it doing, going? man? Hey, hey, awesome. Okay. You remembered. <laughs> hey, called me out last time. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Um, okay. I know I mentioned Rimworld last time, but I have to, I have to tell you I discovered a new way to play it, and it's really fun. I have to. It's such a strong word. I have to. You must know. <laughs> um, so I found a mod that makes it so that you don't get to choose what's researched. Basically what happens is each pawn decides for themselves based on their traits and on their skills what they want to research, and each one researches something different. So I made a rule for myself when I'm playing that anything they research I have to build immediately because, you know, you're trying to get into that mindset of, well, what do they want? They're clearly researching things they want. So in this playthrough, they they have been researching nothing but drugs. <laughs> so that, sounds, I, that sounds real world. Uh, yeah, I have like this massive drug farm going right now and visitors and traders are coming in and I can buy anything I want because apparently these are really valuable. So, yeah, it's it's been fascinating. I never would have gone this route, but it's been an eye-opener. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We also have the corpse to my party. Jason, how are you? <clears throat> oh, that's right. My life's been consumed with Path of Exile, so I'm sure you want to hear all about that. Um, no, I... This league's been fantastic, and I'm slamming around. That's about probably about it. You tell what is the new league? No, no fancy edits for you. Just <laughs> I, I, I 100% G straight with you. Why don't you go ahead and tell us what the new league is? It's the first time you've really mentioned it. It's fine. Um, it, it's actually kind of funny because there's this dude called Chaos, and he goes, "Do the trial, you get a reward." Um, and then if you finish the trial, he goes, "Okay, uh, now we're gonna up the ante. You do the trial again, but with this like hard modifier." And here's a new reward that you'll get with it. And you keep stacking that up to 10 times, I think. You just keep picking more and more modifiers to make it more and more difficult. If you fail anywhere within that, you lose all of it. Ooh. So it's yeah, kind of so like, you're... who wants to be a millionaire rules? You keep going or you cash in and walk out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can cash out at any time. Um, I've never felt more bullied in my life playing a video game because <laughs> like if you make it three rounds and you cash out like he'll come you'll come across him in the next area and he's like the three round challenger returns <laughs> that's pretty good or uh if you only do one round i like i i've come across me again he's like ah, this should be quick <laughs> oh like, you're such a jerk. it reminds me of uh when you play hades uh you get that from your dad he oh. does the same thing. Yeah, taunts yeah, you got, or whatever. I got to try Hades one of these days. That's good. Yeah. 
I, my name is Troy. Uh, watching a lot of super superhero Golden Age right now. Um, Falcon and Winter Soldier was good. Uh, in, Invincible. I've been trying to get these guys. Like, Invincible is awesome. <laughs> um, it, it's great. But what I really, what I wanted to talk about today was with watching this anime, which is a darker, more mature, and we've kind of had a lot of those, and we have a lot coming up. I found this anime on Netflix that was lighthearted and funny, and it's called Way of the House Husband, and it's about the number one Yakuza assassin who apparently fell in love with a successful businesswoman and decided to become a house husband. And so everything he does is with the intensity of the top Yakuza assassin, but it's ironing shirts and and buying lumber to build a little fancy cute chair. <laughs> but like a cockroach comes into his house. He's like, this son of a is on our turf and he's not walking out of here. <laughs> or he's at the store and, and talking with the grocery. He's like, I just have one last thing to say to you. I forgot my points card. <laughs> it makes me laugh the whole time. Uh, it, it's so lighthearted and sweet. Uh, it reminds me of like help. I married an otaku or, or stuff like dragon maid that we've watched. Jeremy, you did the, the, the pervert. Uh, yes. what, was that? what was that one? Oh, the, uh, the artist, the artist. Yeah. yeah. Um, Underwear creek. Yeah. It's very much like that. Very short, small mini stories in the episode. And the episode is only like 15 minutes long. Mm-hmm. But it was really nice after watching like two or three episodes of this anime. Oh yeah, to then laugh a little bit before going to bed, and not having nightmares. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> makes sense. Which you know that leads us into talking about this anime, uh, Hikarashi When They Cry Gao. Now this is technically a remax remake slash sequel of the original Hikarashi When They Cry um, that that came out this year. Um, so let's go ahead and go with our non-spoiler review so you can know what our initial impressions of it were. Jeremy, you picked it, so why don't you start us off? Um, it's not what I expected. Um, I I really kind of went into it blind. I read the synopsis, but it's it did a good job of being vague enough. Um, but in the end, I'm, I'm really, really curious and intrigued. I want to know where the story is going to go. I like all the characters. They're complex. They have multiple layers to them. They're fun. It it plays with a sickly sweet <laughs> overtone, but then also an undertone of really dark morbidity. And it does them very well, although the sickly sweet part is a little bit too much for my tastes. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes, but, but it's definitely not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> All right, Jason, what'd you think? Um, I'm having a blast with it. Uh, this is, you know, me, I'm, I love a slow burn story. Uh, so to know that I'm only halfway through uh, is a little exciting for me. Uh, I'm really loving the story building. The, as Jeremy said, the characters are complex. And the it does feel like you're watching an episode of Pokemon, uh, like three or four of them. And then like the fourth episode in, all of a sudden... Ash murders somebody, uh, yeah. <laughs> and it, the yes, you've got some of that violent horror going on, but very little actually. Surprisingly, most of the horror is psychological, and I'm just enthralled with it. I, I love I love these small little details because the next time a sweet scene comes along and they say something, you're like, "Oh, you're gonna murder somebody soon." <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, really, 
uh, really excited for the next uh, half. So some context for my review here. Years ago, I still do this every once in a while, but I would look up old horror video games that I'm never going to play and just read about their plots on Wikipedia. And that's like when I was really bored, that's how I'd entertain myself. And one of the ones I came across was Higurashi When They Cry, a Japanese visual novel style game that I was never going to play. And, you know, I kind of was aware it also was an anime, but it was also an anime I was never going to watch. So I Mm -hmm. read everything and I've forgotten almost all of that. But some random stuff like I'm aware of what it is and kind of the general concept going into this and some random facts stick with me. But I'm mostly getting it from a fresh perspective. But some things I know I shouldn't know. Mm. With that said, I was really excited going into this and then. At the first half, we've only watched the first 13 episodes. So we're, it's 1 through 13 that we're discussing today. Um, I w- was a little dissatisfied with the way they present their progression in the m- general mysteries of the series. I never expected any answers at this point. But I do feel like any, t- any clues I'm getting, uh, this enemy just throws them into the trash and says, nope. Don't list, don't look, you don't get any clues. And so I don't feel like I'm making any forward progress in the mystery, which just mm. leaves me confounded. And as someone who likes to solve mysteries, uh, I feel frustrated at this point. Now, there's still a whole second half. This could very much be intended on purpose. Um, and, and it could just definitely be me. So I, I don't think it's fair to judge the whole anime on that feeling. The second half has a chance to win me over, but that is how I feel at this point in the anime. Um, all right, let's talk about the opening and the closing. You guys, what'd you think? I like them both a lot. I think I like the opening a lot more than the closing. Um, I love the visuals of both. Um, and the music of the opening is a banger, but, um, just the, they kind of spoil some things, but not in a way that's dissatisfying. Um, and it just kind of gives you these little hints of like story beats, uh, and, uh, it's got a nice creepy vibe to it. <laughs> it's so funny cause you have this creepy opening and then it just kind of goes into cicadas and nice music and, oh, let's off to school. And it's like, oh, oh my God, someone's going to die. <laughs> We're going to talk about cicadas in this, in this podcast, but go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like them both. Um, I really like the intro, love the music, uh, but it was also really interesting to see like the showcase of, hey, these are all the weapons. <laughs> hey, <laughs> <laughs> these are all the people that either die or kill. <laughs> and uh, and I thought they did a good job of, of, like you were saying, Jason, they introduced some things, but I didn't understand that they were spoilers. Like it actually had characters in there that were kind of taunting me later. I was like... That's who that was. Oh, I didn't get that. Um, so they did a good job with that, I thought. Um, but I, I don't remember the outro. <laughs> so, eh. uh, kind of got that weird pastel, like multicolor thing going on, and, and showing each of them in a horrific, right before a horrific, or their, whatever their their tragedy is. Right, it's kind of showcasing it in a way. Does yeah. is that? Does it start with like showing it from the perspective of somebody who's getting hit with a baseball bat or is that in the it's intro? It's in there. It's in there. Okay. Um, I, I really like the opening song. I, it really feels like it's, 
end of the world vibe going on. <laughs> the anime doesn't quite go there. Uh, but yeah, the, the opening's good and the, the closing's good, but I don't, I don't have a ton of thoughts on them. Even though I... Oh, I do have one thought. One thought that kept coming to me. In the opening, uh, the, her name is Rika. We'll talk about her in the spoiler section, but the scene of her running up the hill. Yeah. Really love the animation style of that. Uh, it, it's a really cool, almost like a fisheye lens as she's like sprinting as hard as she can up a hill and it looking dra- directly into her face. And that was a really unique uh, section that I always enjoyed in the opening. All right. So we're going to go to the spoiler section. Again, this is just spoilers for 1 through 13. We don't really have, even including me, general knowledge of the original Higurashi or any of its sequels or anything. So we are mostly going into this blind. Um, and, and even when this show came out, it was it was advertised as a remake of Higurashi. And then at a point in the anime, uh, it, it is not. But spoiler sections <laughs> from for, for every, everything in the plot going forward and so we'll start with we, we start with our main character beating someone to death with a baseball bat <laughs> <laughs> yep presumably after already beating someone else to death <laughs> yeah um and this is our main character kg and we we see him wake up uh, this was technically a dream or we will find out not a dream but um he's about you know starting his day he's recently moved to this village Someone should have really written down the name of the village. Um, but yeah, he's this, this Manawa or something like that. Yeah, this village out in the boondocks. Right. And he's he's yeah. recently moved there. It's so small. Like the the one class is all ages, like all grades go to the same class in the school. That's how small this town is. Um, And so what do you guys think of our main character, KG? I think he plays a decent. He fills the role. And what I mean by that is I don't think he's particularly interesting because he's very anime tropey main character. I have grit for everything and I'm going to do the right thing by my friends at all times. Uh, He plays that part. Fantastic. Which ends up being his detriment in quite a few situations, which I'm loving um he he's you know he's loyal to a fault um he'll he'll fight even if he's the if he's in the wrong and he believes he's right um but he's all you know he's kind of the lens for the audience uh and which ends up being pretty great in each one of these stories but because of as you said in the uh, intro there seems to be this disconnect between each story that we were not uh, apprised of just yet it's like we watched three different animes with mm-hmm. the same characters um and so uh, but it's interesting that kg is so consistent between all three stories as far as his actions and his personality um and i thought he played that role well um you know it was but like i said it would very much an episode of freaking uh pokemon yeah it's pretty yeah. good um i when i was first introduced to him you know after the baseball bat scene when he's walking uh alongside rena a girl that he's met to walk to school with um i thought he was a totally different character just based on his interactions with her than who he winds up being you know he's he comes off as a little bit uh more cunning a little bit more 
you know, maybe playfully obnoxious. And while that is present, it certainly doesn't it doesn't um, make up the percentage of his personality that I thought it was going to based on those interactions. Um, he was interesting, but he kind of just made me laugh and get bored a lot. <laughs> like his interactions were so sincere and so positive and so playful. And, and he would sometimes switch on a dime and put everything he had into going a different direction than where he was going before, which he was going with everything he had. And that was, to me, that was really frustrating because it kind of breaks the character in my mind. Like I understand that sometimes people do that. Um, absolutely. But I don't like it. <laughs> so seeing the character do that, I was like, come on, man. Be be consistent. If you if you've done something or said something, you know, and you want to change your mind about it, figure out figure out why. Go straight to the source or something. So it was it was interesting to watch him, but um I there were a lot of times where I think I was not reacting the way the anime intended me to react because he was in situations where I could tell that it was trying to be suspenseful, trying to be thriller, trying to to show how much pressure was on him. And I was actually laughing at him because I couldn't believe what was happening to him and his reaction to it. Just so not my favorite character. <laughs> I really found him to be a bland slice of life protagonist but the fact that that a bland slice of life protagonist has been dropped into a horror anime makes watching him yeah. interesting and appealing mm -hmm. um if he if he was in the anime where he probably belongs i'd be like i i can't i don't care about this character at all but then to be like oh he is so out of his element <laughs> he cannot handle any of this um uh, that was at least interesting to watch so uh, you know i, I Kind of a little column A, a little column B right there. So he goes to school, and like I said, there's there's a classroom of all ages, from you know kindergarten to to, to teenagers, and he is he's joined up with the the gaming club, which is basically just his group of friends. And so we're gonna go through them and talk about each one. Um, the the first one we see him meet is his nearest neighbor, who is Rena. Um, she likes to bring him lunches and she waits for him to walk to school with. Uh, she is the short orange haired kind of a sailor outfit girl. Uh, I think she's on the most of the covers of the this anime um, and she carries a, a machete. Um, what did you guys <laughs> yeah. think of Rena? <laughs> I loved Rena. I thought she was actually really, really interesting. I think it's because the first arc is all about Rena. Um, and boy, does she play center stage well <laughs> hmm. um i love that she has two entirely disparate personas i think i think it was um disautotrophia or disautonomy or something like that um that it describes her as having once we get a ways into this particular arc um where she does in fact have different behaviors now that's not what that's not what that uh particular syndrome is in reality um it's more akin to like parkinson's and things like that where you lose control of your muscles um not necessarily have a different personality or a different movement set but um yeah just seeing her switch between i love fluffy things and they're so cute and oh my god everything is so kawaii and i'm just going over the top with it and that is like super pokemon character to 
just completely go dark and get a different voice and look down and her eyes are hooded and say things like you're a liar (laughs) you know it's like oh the creep vibes just through the roof and and she keeps going from there so she was very entertaining in the first arc and that stuck with me through the whole thing because i was always thinking even in the second and third arcs she's still that crazy the situation just hasn't arisen to draw it out of her so she's still primed and ready to go like the pin is pulled (laughs) But the grenade has not been released. So that was always in the back of my head as what's going on with all of these characters in this scene. She was the catalyst of thinking about them all that way. So I, I liked her. I, I liked her a lot as well. Um, in fact, the first time that KG asks her about uh, the history of this town that they're in. And he goes, does something bad happen here? And she does the No. Yeah. Like those hairs on the back of my neck stood up. I was just, oh, that was creepy. <laughs> yep. It was just the, you know, cicadas in the background. It's getting dark out. <laughs> They're in kind of a secluded area. Uh, in that very moment, because yeah, it was, it was rainbows and sunshine all the way up until this point. And then all of a sudden, just in this split moment, you, your vision of who she is immediately changes. You're like, oh, she crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? um, but I did I did like that she's kind of a mirror image of KG and the fact that she's loyal to her friends. Um, she's always wanting to be supportive and positive. Um, she does have that anime tropishness about the, uh, a lead female character. Uh, but this particular arc, like like for you, Jeremy, really reinforced that she is on uh, a precipice and she can go either way at a moment's notice you just mess with her um and it's it's shown in a couple of the other arcs that she doesn't go absolutely nuts that she's you go oh she that's still in there Uh (laughs) but yeah i enjoyed the character yeah anytime you can't see her eyes i was like (laughs) yeah (laughs) where's the machete where's the machete um yeah, I, I really her normal self, the self we usually get with with the cuteness and the loving cute things and her love for the statue. The statue that they pull out is is fantastic. It's um, Colonel Sanders. Colonel Sanders. <laughs> I had no idea it was that big. Like the way they yeah. showed it in the joint pilot looked maybe about as big as like a, a doll. Right. <laughs> so her quirkiness makes her really fun to watch. And then, yeah, then to have that hidden side of her, the dangerous side of her. Um, and she is, I think her arc is the best horror arc of the three. Mm-hmm. Cause there's three arcs in, in this half and hers was by far the creepiest. And I, I just really liked everything they did. So yeah, she's one of my favorite characters in the whole, in the whole show. And then the, the other character he walks to school with is, um, Mion, who is the oldest, daughter of a local family <laughs> that that kind of helps run the area one of the big families um she's the oldest of all the kids in the school i believe mm-hmm. and uh long green hair and carries a gun on her at all times <laughs> as every class rep should <laughs> like i don't know if it's an 
airsoft paintball. Right. We haven't exactly. seen her discharge it yet, so I have no idea of what it is. Uh, but yeah, what do you guys think of Mion? I think she was a good balance because she was kind of the leader of their group, right? And she ha- always commanded um, respect and attention from everybody. Um, even though she had this really important family name, she never abused it or used it to her advantage, really, in any way. Um, she almost seems to resent it that she's part of this family. Um, and she, her arc specifically uh, was probably the least scary um, but I found very interesting because it it showed so much more lore about the town than out of the three uh, was with her arc. And um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed her part, especially when you contrasted her with her sister, which we'll get to meet later. Yeah, she was really interesting. I, after the first arc, I did not know who she was. Like she kind of was sort of a background character, just there to, you know, keep the the club active and provide, you know, what's the next game? What are the rules? Who's going to get punished? And and just be the playful one that's that's you know keeping the gears lubricated so everything keeps moving for this arc. And then, like you say, Jason, in the second one, we really get to see who she is, and 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 that's really interesting. Um. What was confusing to me is it was at this point when we were in the second arc where I was like, wait a minute, are the arcs just what happens? I didn't know it was a visual novel, but I thought, I wonder if this is a game and if this male character doesn't exist and it's just the player. So they had to fabricate the male character. And so now for each arc, we're going to explore what happens if you take the romantic or maybe romantic isn't even the word, the interest in each female one at a time starting with Rena and then moving to the next and moving to the next. And then by the third arc, I was like, ah, yeah, that's, I think this is confirmed that this is, <laughs> this is what this is exploring. Um, but maybe like the, the myriad of non-win scenarios <laughs> um, <laughs> is what the anime focuses on. I don't know if there's a win scenario, but, um, but yeah, she was interesting because I didn't realize that that's probably what's happening until she got to play center stage. And it's kind of not really fair, too, because she didn't even really get center stage by herself. She had to share the stage. Um, yeah, I, I like I like the the playfulness of her. I like I really like the game club and how she's always basically already won before they start. because She made yeah. the games. Um, uh, I still have some questions that need to be answered about her. Mm. Um, some of my frustrations kind of come started showing up in her arc and that's not really fair to the character but we'll get to those when we get to the story all right and then they go to school and there's a booby trap set for kg uh set by their two other friends especially uh the little blonde one who we'll talk about first so this is satoko um she hold on guys steam is updating (laughs) oh let's do it now yeah, Super important. Like time. Yeah, so Satoko is this uh, these two little girls that that come up to them, and she's the one who set the traps. Uh, your guys' thoughts on uh, Satoko? I Jeremy. really like Satoko. Um, this was even before her arc. In her arc, I thought she got fleshed out really well, and she became a very, very interesting character, very complex. But even before that, I got a kick out of her. Um, she's obnoxious. She runs around setting traps. She's incredibly competitive 
And um, yet at the same time, she's still a kid and she still cries if you pick on her. And it doesn't seem to be just manipulation either. It seems to be sincere mm-hmm. crying. Um, and she was she was really fun to watch whenever she was on the screen. It was entertaining. I I really like what they did with Sadako. Um, I thought the they spent the first two arcs when she did get screen time being endearing like that bratty little kid that kid that you know you just can't get mad at yeah um and you know she she's just like the rest of them loyal to a fault um but you know wants to have her way uh and then by the time we get to her arc you've got these this attachment to this character and then you really care about what's happening to her even though she's off screen quite a bit and you end up invested in the in the story that's being told or at least i was and so i i really like what they did with her more than the character herself uh because i thought she she was a decent character but um they they used her in in a very compelling way um i i think one of my favorite things about her i forgot to mention this is the language she uses she uses words that you would not expect to come out of a kid her size, her age. Like, she was, is eloquent. <laughs> I was, I was going to say my favorite thing about her is that she's trying to be one of the older kids. Yeah. Uh, there's, the, there's the two young kids, and then there's there's one that's this troublemaker who's like, I'm bigger than my britches. Um, and then, then you have Rika, who, and everyone's like, oh, Rika, you're so cute. <laughs> and everyone just kind of thinks they're a Seneca. Um, and I, I like the dynamic. It made fun. for, And I like that not every character in this was a dateable age yeah. yep. <laughs> um so that like you said not a romantic interest but there's a relationship that's built with this character but it's not it's it's brotherly mm-hmm. um and so that was that was a nice contrast it does make the the horror that this character has to go through that much worse yeah. uh yeah the younger they are right the more horrible it is but mm-hmm. uh, and then yeah then we come to probably the the character with the most questions, clearly whatever's going on centers around her in many ways, Rika. So uh, this is the little purple hero girl. And, and really, she is like a shrine maiden. Her and Satoka live at the shrine together alone, which I'm not sure how that's okay. Um, but <laughs> they must have you... some kind of guardians, but yeah, <laughs> anime do does guys, not show. What do you guys think of Rika? I really, really like this character. And I think the reason is because of how subversive she is in most of the episodes. She's usually, you know, super sweet and just being cute. But then when she speaks, there's always this undertone of of double double meaning. Like, I'm telling you this, but in reality, I'm talking about like 4D chess, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, you know, we come to find out, yeah, she's she's kind of going through all of these. She, she has memory of all of these different store arcs that we go through uh, that the other characters just don't. And that's fascinating to me. I want to learn more about her because there's these moments because she, it seems like she's an adult acting as a kid, mm-hmm. I think is the best way to put it. And I think they make that pretty clear. That that's basically what's happening um, because there's these moments where she needs to get across a very specific point at a very specific time because I think she, there it seems to me, and we'll get into it in like theory area, but I think she's trying to manipulate the timeline to a specific outcome. 
And every she, every time she doesn't get the outcome she wants, she wants to go back. But when she's trying to do the manipulation, like her voice gets deep, and like she, sometimes she gets crazy eyes, sometimes she gets like demon eyes. <laughs> I don't know how people like see this and then, wow, that was inspiring or that affected me. But then we'll just forget about it. We'll just move on, <laughs> right? Know? I'd be like, what is wrong with you, child? <laughs> <laughs> Demon child. Well, yeah, you, uh, you, my favorite character. What do you think, Jeremy? I love this character. Um, I mean, the fact that she is more than a hundred years old, she's basically the main character because she has a persistent memory. And I think that is the coolest thing that, that the main character is powerless. Can't really do anything because she's in the body of like a kindergartner. And, so all she can really do is is manipulate people, but she has to be careful because she can only manipulate them within the spectrum of what they might expect. If she goes outside of it, that might blow everything up. And who knows, in the past hundred years, she's probably done that, and it's probably not ended well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's these subtle moments where, like, she has this tendency to walk up to people and pat them on the head. And we see that happen throughout the anime from other characters. And we see this in other anime, too. It's generally an endearing act from a, someone who's older to someone who's younger. So to have a little tiny kid go up and do this over and over and over again in the anime, it's really emphasizing her character's age and her perspective on on these people. Like, she, she walks up to this guy. He's, uh, you know, I, I don't know how old he is. He's probably like 30-something. And he's got a tank top on, and he's a photographer, and he rides a bike, and he's heavily muscled. And, you know, he's he's a really manly man out there. Right. And he squats down and she walks over to him at one point and she just puts her hand on him and she like says his name. And I, I can't remember if she said sweet, sweet or something like that. But I got the impression that it was really fond. And I was like, oh, man, is he going to go die now? But she, but he's a good guy. <laughs> and like, like, what does this mean? So she was she was very interesting. Um, it also she also broke um brings up because i can't remember the other word i was looking for um <laughs> brings up the question of how successful can an anime be if you take the character that's actually the protagonist and have them be a sideline character at least in my opinion the protagonist because of that persistent memory and you have a side character take the role of protagonist because we have our memory reset every time um and I don't know how it's going to go. It's intriguing to me so far, but I'm really curious to see uh, that difference of putting her on the sidelines instead of in the center stage. So not to echo too much about what you guys have said, I do like Rika. Um, the, the, like I said, the fact that it's a clearly an advanced age person with a lot of wisdom driving around in a kindergartner's body. <laughs> Um, and then just choosing when what moments and you and the voice actress I, I watched English dub did a really good job of she's really high when she's the, doing her kid thing me pa um, mm -hmm. and then every once in a while you know she <laughs> drops into the adult tone and is like look listen up people <laughs> this is how it's gonna be <laughs> um, which is really uh, interesting um, you guys have mentioned the the glowing eyes I have a theory that the glowing eyes and the adult Rika aren't the same thing. Cause the, the glowing eyes show up in other characters too. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's someone else mm -hmm. 
puppet stringing things in this and that the glowing eyes is them reaching in and puppeteering for a moment to manipulate things the way they want whereas rika is stuck in her kid body trying to manipulate things the way she wants um and but apparently rika's eyes glow too but like when we get to the start of the second episode, her eyes were glowing and she wasn't there. She's in some other place. And then we come back to her and her eyes stop glowing. Um, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to it more, but I just think the glowing eyes is something villainous rather than Rika and her adult self, uh, which is, I think is a separate thing, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, they, they, after class, um, Kaiji gets a tour of the village from Mion. They go up to the shrine where um, Sadako and Rika live. Rina's there. They all have lunch. And then afterwards, him and Rina go to, like, the nearby dump. And she has found the con- Colonel Sanders <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> statue. And she wants to dig him out. She comes here every day because he's so cute. She must have him. Uh, so well, come to find out, she's got massive amounts of statues and like dolls <laughs> yeah. in her house. Yeah, she's she's like a hoarder of cute things. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where we actually meet the character that Jeremy had mentioned with the tank top. Tomataki um, walks up, and he and he's a photographer who likes to come to this village and, and take pictures. And he mentions the the dam incident, which we, we find out is the government wanted to build a dam here. The village fought back. Um, it literally came to physical violence. Some people were murdered. <laughs> and and he mentions something about like, yeah, there, there's an arm out there in the thing. And it really freaks out Keiji that he says this. And then he leaves. Uh, this never shows up in any of the other story arcs. Mm-hmm. Um but I this was is... convinced she was going to pull an arm out of the rubble. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for that, too. This is also the, the first time we get this really creepy. Um, Jason, I think you had already kind of mentioned this, but um, he asked Rena about the the dam incident. And the audio gets a little too loud. Their voice drops a, like an octave deeper, and it's too quick. It's like the edit. is. It, there's no pause for it. It's just, I don't know. And, mm-hmm. and it's super unsettling. The anime actually stops doing this after the first like two episodes, which is was really disappointing because I was like, "That's tight. That is some mm-hmm. good sound editing. That has that has got me on edge. We've been all cute, and and then suddenly this girl just her voice has changed, and I don't know what's going on anymore. Um, they don't, don't keep doing you. it, <laughs> um, yeah. but they they do it a couple times in these, these first two episodes, and it's it's really good. And multiple characters do it, not just Rena. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then the next day at school, they do a scavenger hunt that Sotoko wins, and but Rika, who fell for one of her traps so that she could win, uh, tricks her with like a pie to the face or a punching. I think it's a box. Yeah, it was a love. punching box. Yeah. Ko. Mion um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, does tell KG about the the dam that was nearly built, but how they were able. Um, but then he asks if anyone was killed. And then she does the same voice thing, no one, um, to him. (laughs) 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 And then at the uh, end of that day, he's helping dig out the statue, and Rena leaves to go get tea. 
Um, and then he finds a stack of magazines, and in the magazine it details the the news about the dam and the murders. And she comes up behind him. The episode ends with her standing behind him with that machete sickle. They call it mm-hmm. an axe in the dub. It's definitely not an axe. Um, and then we see Rika with glowing eyes up on the hill watching both of them. And that's how the first episode ends, which is was a great ending. Like At this point, I'm like, okay, this is creepy. This is weird. Cool. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second episode is where the... Uh, the the trick is revealed. This is not a remake. This is a sequel. Um, I, I was saying, like, very much in the vein, if you played Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, <laughs> it's the exact same thing. Technically, we're just redoing everything, but technically, everything has already happened before. <laughs> um, and, and we we find that out because it's Rika, who is now is talking in a much older voice. She even looks a little older, but she's still kind of small. Um, talking to a mysterious purple girl with horns um, mm-hmm. in a void full of glass shards and an upside down temple. Um, and they and she's like, OK, what shard am I going to? And she mentions you're going back to 1983. And she's like, oh, not 19. She gets really upset and like, I've suffered for 100 years. Why do I have to go back to that one? Um, she's like, but nope, it's fine. Uh, you know, we've won before and i'm not going to lose again so i'm kind of i've watched it twice now and so i'm trying to summarize as best it, it, this this gave me an itch you know when we decided to watch this and i'm like i know it's a sequel but it won't be a big deal i saw this scene and i was like oh what happened before i want to know so bad that, yeah there's no context for this conversation and it's killing me <laughs> um but yeah, so it, I, I'm sure what they say makes a lot of sense if you've seen the original anime. But I, I... so, so um, when I was hopping on uh, Wikipedia to get the names of the arcs, because when I finished the the this first 13 episodes, I was like, oh, man, I, I don't remember what the names were, but I bet they were important. So I hopped on Wikipedia to look at the names and I thought I was reading Gao. But I was actually reading the original 2006 episode titles, and I realized, oh, okay, those are those are almost the same. And when I was, because uh, I was trying to make sure I was reading the right one, I was going through the episode synopsis, and I, I really thought it was the same one for like the first episode or two. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, that's weird. So I scrolled down and figured out that it wasn't Gao, and then I was like, okay, well, did it do that the second one? Oh, yeah, it does. So each one of these shards has been visited already in the first series. It's each one. That was what blew my mind. Right. And so I get the impression like it's very, we're very much going through whatever the first anime was again. But the, her phrase of we've won before that they whatever the first anime was, they beat it, mm-hmm. went on to do more fighting something else and then for some reason has had to go back now and i I forgot to mention all this has taken place in 1983 um Mm -hmm. for some reason everything re-triggered and they have to start all over again yeah it'd be like re-zero's worst nightmare right (laughs) like after (laughs) everything he's done he goes back to episode one yeah uh so yeah that's a very important scene and to fans of the series i bet it meant a lot and like i said i was just like uh nope we made a choice. We're not going to look anything up. We're going to go. <laughs> yep, yep. 
And it, this is also where we learn that Rika's the only one that has memories beyond each arc, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then and then she's re- she's standing on the the cliff again, and her eyes are no longer glowing. And Rina is like, "Hey, I brought this axe slash machete. Help <laughs> us dig it out." Um, and they're like, "Okay." Well, no, well, doesn't she come behind him? Like, and he sees the shadow of her, like lifting it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, Which oh gosh, he's gonna kill her. And I mean, and he's such an idiot because he like turns around all freaked out, and then he's like. Oh, I guess I overreact. No, you didn't overreact. Somebody stands <laughs> behind you and holds a, a machete thing like that straight up. That, that is not overreacting to freak out. Uh, they decide to wait till tomorrow to finish the, the next day at school. So it is June 16th at this point. I, I actually was trying to write down dates as I was going along. Um, so it's June 16th, 1983. They play PE in class. They do some zombie tag. And we just kind of see more how the characters... What rules they're willing to break? The The whole rule of the game club is win by any means necessary, even if that's outside the rules. <laughs> um, and then they go back to dig it out. There's another creepy moment where he asks if he, she wants him to carry the blade. She's like, it's fine. Yeah, um, which is weird because she let him wield it in order to break out the, the kernel. But yeah. now she doesn't want him touching it. <laughs> uh, At that point, he's like, I got to go home, actually. While they're yeah. digging up Colonel Sanders, he has the flash of the very thing, what we saw in the very be- first episode of beating someone with a bat to death. Her. Um, yeah, it, it's her. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they do get the statue out for her. And then on the 17th, when he's walking they home. They wrap it like, and it looks like a body wrapped. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, they, people start talking about the festival the next day, and he runs into Tomotaki again, who he doesn't really like in this arc. He's very uncomfortable with him. Um, and Tomotaki's like, yeah, I'll be at the festival, and that's coming up. And Mion's like, yeah, he's just looking for tail. <laughs> uh, on the 19th, which is the day of the festival, it takes place. They, they meet up, and they play games, and they eat a ton of food. And then Rika does a dance where it looks like she's murdering someone with a hoe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it's a futon. You know, I yeah. got to say they animated it really well. I was surprised at this yeah. point when they started like having it spin around her and everything. And mm-hmm. it, it was like their very well second went up and everything. Um, they see Tomataki and he's like, oh, I got to leave early. And that's where Rika rubs his head. That's the scene you're talking about when he leaves. Um, and then they, Tomotaki goes and meets someone by the river. Um, in the next episode, they do the cotton drifting. So this is part of the end of the festival where they take wads of cotton and they put them on the river and they float them down. That's part of the ceremony. We find out more about it later. <laughs> and make a but, prayer to Lord Hiroshu. Ira- Oriyashu. I write it down later, but I haven't written it in my notes at this point in the yeah. story. Mm. Uh, but he's the local deity that the, the village believes protects him. Yeah, he's not really that important in the story, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and Keiji actually sees Tomotaki, and he's talking with a blonde woman who we, we will talk about Tomotaki and this blonde woman later when they get a big bigger scene together, because I do want to discuss him, but not at this point. Um, 
at school the next day on 620, uh, a police officer shows up to talk to KG about Tomotaki, who has gone missing. Um, and this is Oishi. And I got to say, <laughs> I love the character design of this character because his face is like really handsome and broad. But he's got this huge pot belly too. That's almost <laughs> comically pot belly. But he's also dangerous. He feels scary when you're around him. He feels like you, he he's very. I don't know what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he's got hidden agendas. He's a great character. Not a character like oh I want to be his friend, but like man, that is a really cool character. And and just the the pot belly is part of it. Like I just love that they gave him this huge pot belly. Uh, what do you guys think of Luigi? He he was a fantastic character because he he felt almost Columbo esque at first because he was very yeah. much, hey, I want to ask you another question, um, <laughs> or you know he, he would he would get through a line of questioning. He's like, I'll get back to you. Like he, like not, hey, can I talk to you later? Or hey, can you know you call me later? No, he's like, I will see you later, and I will ask you more questions. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I liked. It was funny because he was almost like a different character in each arc, which was really strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in the first arc, I actually trusted him. In the second arc, he didn't really play that big of a role, if I remember correctly. No, but he keeps showing up and he's mm-hmm. like, hey, have you seen this guy? By the way, I know you did. <laughs> yeah. And then in the third arc, I was like, oh, man, he's sinister. Ooh. So I, I don't know what to think about him. I didn't trust him in the first arc, and and I'll tell you why. It was the phone call where he's like, hey, do you want to know all the backstory about your best friend? And I was like, (laughs) this is weird for a cop to do. This is really manipulative and weird that he is doing this. And so, yeah, I was I was I felt off guard with him all the time. Every every arc. Yeah, just his Um, mannerisms and like the the almost fake smile he always had was a little off putting fake laugh constant laugh um, so yeah he mentions that tomataki's missing and he also mentions yeah um during the dam incident there was people that died most of the killers were caught except for one and every year for the past four years uh, uh, during the festival someone has died and someone has disappeared and, or but well, he says someone's died he'll, he'll later say and someone disappears mm-hmm. um and he's like, yeah, and now Tomataki's missing. Isn't that weird? Okay, I'll talk to you later, kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's like, oh, yeah, and don't tell your friends. Uh, and then Keiji has to go shopping with Rina. Um, and then the next day, he stays up all night reading the magazines um, about the damn incident. And he hears Rina and Mion discussing the case and the the mayor is missing mayor it might not be the mayor but someone got demoned away he's like okay why has no one mentioned this to me what's going on Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) and then oishi comes and talks to him again they go to this this local village also has a cosplay cafe (laughs) it does they only have enough class size for one class, but they have enough people for a cosplay cafe. Because yeah, yeah, anime. Because why not? Um, <laughs> yep, tourists. It's for tourists. Um, and this is where he mentions about yeah. Also, there's a, a death and a disappearance. 
Um, and then the next day, uh, walking home from school, KG asked Rena, "Hey, I feel like you guys have been lying to me." She's like, "You've been lying to us," <laughs> and she gets <laughs> really upset and really creepy and just kind of screams at him. Um, and then that night he gets a call from Oishi. <laughs> Tell some the entire backstory of Rena. Did you know that she broke every window in her old school and that she had to get put on medication? And she mentioned Lord Orochimo her whole her the whole time. And she also before she had lived in the city, she had lived in this village, so that's why she would know about him. And I was like, that's really weird to tell a kid. Mm-hmm. Um and then KG's father comes in. And he's like, "Hey, I brought you guys tea." And he's like, "I'm was on the phone. What did you what do you mean, you guys?" Well, Rena showed up just a few minutes ago and came up to your room, but Rena never came in the room. And then we see like her peeking through the door as he's on the phone, <laughs> and her eyes glowing and slit. Yeah, and her they eyes animated glowing. that so well. Oh, oh yeah. that, that was that was so creepy. Yep. And then that night, KG wakes up screaming because he thinks he sees her peering in through his door again in the middle of the night. Um, so he's Which tired. He probably does. Yeah, he's probably, <laughs> that's probably true. Um, so the next day, he decides to not go to school, stay home sick. So his mom's like, okay, go to the clinic. He goes to the clinic, and they're remodeling the building. And they're like, go to the other clinic. And he's like, they're there is no other clinic and so he just leaves now this was weird to me like just the interaction with these guys and then later we do see people dressed the same way and they're not good guys um so something else was going on here i have no idea what it was but it probably plays into something from one of the other arcs. it also makes me not trust his parents like there's Mm -hmm. something off they're always gone so conveniently (laughs) right Um, yeah, I, this definitely feels like a clue in the mystery, but mm-hmm. when we get into the other arcs, I'll talk more about my frustrations, but it comes back to the, then I had to look back at this moment and I'm like, does that matter? Right. But, but in this moment, in this arc, it definitely feels like it does, but we haven't mm-hmm. had the clinic mentioned again after this, but yeah, this mm-hmm. definitely feels like it's something, something sinister. Um, in the other arcs, we meet people that work at the clinic, but we never actually visit the clinic. And, yeah. and like I said, we see people in similar uniforms. And he always winds up in the clinic at the end of each arc, too. And oh, sometimes... A hospital. Uh, hospital. I think that's what the clinic is, isn't it? I think they're different buildings, but I could be wrong. Mm. I'm not sure. I do know that at the end of the first arc, the lady nurse that's there says some pretty creepy stuff to him, which makes the environment there seem kind of sinister. All right. Um, he goes back to school, and they had canceled club because he wasn't there. And then Rika asks to speak with him, and he basically admits, uh, Rena has really been freaking me out lately. She <laughs> just keeps getting weirder and weirder. And Rika's like, maybe it's you. You know, maybe you're just being paranoid. Way to go, Rika. You nearly got him killed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so he goes home that night and the house is empty. His mom calls him and he's like, oh, we had to go to Tokyo and we won't be back till tomorrow. But we got Rena to come over <laughs> and bring you food. <laughs> bing, then, ring, 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 ring. Bang, 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 bang. Okay, this scene, this is probably the one I had said a, a scene after this was my favorite. This is my favorite scene yeah. where she's like kindly talking like hey can you let me in this is really heavy but at the same time the door is shaking and knocking and banging on it uh-huh. uh, the actions versus the voice and how different they were was so creepy this is one of the best scenes to me in the whole anime uh, it actually doesn't keep up this level of scariness but this was so well done i think yep. keiji's just like He's so conflicted. He's like, oh, it's my friend. She's here to murder me, but I should let her in. Oh, my God. And there's even like a spot where it it shows. There's so many times now where I'm not sure whether it shows a real event or whether it shows what he's imagining to happen, because it shows her like push open the door so that it's stuck by the chain. And she's like peering inside with her glowing eye again. But that didn't happen. It didn't. The door was shut again. Right. Yeah. So I. I think that was his imagination. He also has another flashback of murdering her with the bat at this right. point. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's almost he... like which one of them is going crazy? Are they both going crazy simultaneously? It's it's kind of weird. Yeah, that is weird. So he lets her in. Uh, of course. And... <laughs> <laughs> the right decision. When someone is banging on your door and yelling, let me in, and you're worried about demons, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was really heavy, though. Yeah. It, yeah, it's, yeah. That's true. It had a lot of heavy lot of things in it there. <laughs> and actually, everything's good. He opens the door, he gives her a hug, and she's she's all sweet and kind. She's like, I'm going to go into the kitchen and prepare this. Don't come in the kitchen. I definitely don't need any help to prepare this. And so he's on the couch. He turns on the television and she, and then we see her in the kitchen opening up these bento boxes, and each one has a weapon or handcuffs or rope and all these different she's, ways. To... She's got like uh, bandages a and and a hacksaw. She intends to dismember him. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, he does come in, and he sees all this stuff, and she starts scratching at her neck so bad she's tearing flesh out of her neck. Um, grabs a kitchen knife and starts attacking him. He gets a golf club and starts defending him, but she they have this big fight, which ends up with him on his back. He knocks her into the table at one point, and she wakes back up. He's on his back. She's on top of him, stabbing him in the chest, and he has a clock radio, and he's bashing it into her head until they both collapse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he wakes up in the hospital. His parents are there, and Oishi visits him and is like, hey, okay. do you remember he did not survive that. I do not understand how he survived that. That was way yeah. too many stab wounds, too much blood. He lost that fight. That to me says fate. That to me says he doesn't die. It's linked to his death or something. The only caveat or hand waving I can do is each stab wound he takes, it, the knife does not go that deep. That's true. That's true. But she just she she doesn't have the strength and it even animates it like it's only maybe an inch or two that the that the knife actually goes into his stomach. So that's true. That's still pretty hand wavy because it doesn't take much to hit. That's why I can kind of justify it. Yeah, Yeah. that's about it. So eventually Mion visits him and he learns Rena died from the head wounds. Um, 
but that Rika and Sakato also were both murdered by the same knife on the same night. Um, and then the last scene of this of this arc of this episode is a nurse coming in and asking him if his neck itches. Mm hmm. And, and then, then he, he starts ripping at it. Too. He starts ripping at it, too, and screaming. Mm hmm. And that's how, where we end. And, and I think this first arc is is the highlight of this. anime. like yeah. I said, this, it, this mm-hmm. is the scariest stuff. They drop a lot of the creepy things they were doing after this. Um, mm-hmm. Which is too and bad. the other other ones aren't mm-hmm. as weird uh, as this one. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, the ending of the third one just drove me crazy. Like, oh, OK, thanks for doing that, all that off camera. <laughs> I guess yeah. I'll pretend I was scared. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right, we go on to our second playthrough. <laughs> yeah, you have lost. Play again. <laughs> uh, KG wakes up. Uh, the club is calling him, and so none of the none of what we just talked about has happened. We're, we're... I don't think it's a time loop because you know, we've we've talked about outside on our own chat of like. If it's a time loop, where's the starting point? And I just don't think mm-hmm. there is. I don't think these worlds converge at all. And I, I think Jason hit it on the head when he's like, we're watching, or I think it was Jason, we're watching an anime with the same characters. We're just watching three different animes. That mm-hmm. very much feels like what's happening here. Same setting, same characters, completely different stories every time. My my guess is that the the branch points are variable. And that they do come from the same origin, but not at the same time. So um, you could then wind up with characters that diverged off of the, we could call it a main branch or main line at some point where they already knew this or, you know, like they knew about the existence of this character or they'd met this person or they'd heard this bit of information or, or characters that aren't even related to, you know, our main protagonists and his troop uh, are in town when they weren't before because of something that diverged way a long time ago. Um, but I think that none of it diverges prior to the dam incident. I think that's probably the first point where all the forks start mm. because that would be when the deaths start happening every year on the special celebration day. It's true. Mm. That, that is a constant. Any, any thoughts on that, Jason? Or- no, I think that's probably a good point. Um, I will point out that all the story beats from the first one basically happen in the other two as far as the our main as far as KG learning about these things. I think he just learns about them in different ways. Um, hmm. And I think that is partially meant to speed it along because you don't want the audience going, oh, we're getting this diatribe again about... Yeah the dam and the murder and you know yeah he learns about them in different ways and i think they do a poor job of conveying that he's he doesn't start each loot or each uh arc with this information he learns about them just in different ways um and sometimes it's sinister and sometimes it's not which seems really inconsistent so that's why i'm very interested in the next half uh i'm hoping that some of those answers will be answered I think there's a clue in how it keeps showing the day, the number that is the day. And it Mm -hmm. makes me really curious if I was to go back and actually compile which day, which events happened on, 
if the events of each of these three arcs don't line up to be on the same days. That would really support what you're saying, because then he, you know, he found this out somewhere around this day. But we skip a whole week from scene to scene in the next arc, and we don't even touch that day or anything around it. So chances are he found out about it some other way. Well, guess what? Uh, I wrote down most days. Did you? So, does does yeah. it pan out that way? I don't think so. Interesting. Because we, re- we, we almost all, I mean, we almost are always are about a week out from the 19th when we start. I uh, saw some days that were like six. Yes, this this story, actually, this story arc starts on 6-6 six, six and then jumps to 6-13. But that's still mm-hmm. pretty early in the last story. I don't remember... Yeah, the last story starts around 6.16. Yeah, so we're seeing a bunch of events that took place before the first story even began. So just a quick theory that we can expand on later. It feels like each run or each arc, the puppeteering that you're talking about, which I, I agree with you, seems to control a different person in mm-hmm. each arc. And um, because like in the first arc, it was Rena. In this arc, it seems like it's Meon that's being controlled. Um, and I think that ends up affecting not only how he gets in that information, but then how people react to that information being given to him. Because it seems like a very, very sensitive subject in the first arc. And it's kind of sensitive, but it's not so like a, a hidden secret in the second yeah, She's arc. not trying to kill him for finding out. Right. All right. Mm-hmm. I, I have a question then. We, we they don't do it anymore at this point. In the last arc, whenever the voices got weird, the I don't know, mm-hmm. you know that stuff that happened to both Rena and happened to Rena yeah. twice and and me on me on. Is that just artistic license? Is that the puppeteer stepping in? I think it's artistic license, okay. and I think it might be a little bit of both because in the the other arc, I forget which one it is, but they're uh, Rena, uh, Mion, and KG are walking home. It's getting dark. They start talking about it. Rena acts very similar to the first arc. That's the third arc. Starts tar- talking about it and gets very, um, but this time less insane and more depressed. Like she really doesn't want to talk about this su- subject. I and still Mion, got insane. <laughs> Neon ends up shielding Rena from the conversation and ends up expounding upon it with KG later instead of just cutting him off. So that's why I'm thinking there. I think that was an authentic version of Neon. And I think in the first arc, it was very much some sort of otherworldly influence, which is like messing with things. And I think that is the fate that Rika is fighting against. You could be right. That would be really interesting. I took it as a context difference, right? So um, given what had transpired in the first arc when he encounters Rion or Mion and asks a question, she has no reason to say anything. But given what has transpired in the third arc, she's more inclined because of the things she's seen him do or the things she's seen him say that now she would you know, be like she was later in the first arc where she actually did expound. Um, but it could be what you're saying. I, 
that would be really interesting if it was. All right. Um, neither, none of those satisfy me, but <laughs> I, do, I do like the theories. Uh, okay, I have a theory of my own about this, and since we're kind of talking about this area, I'll just throw it out there. Um, there is this. They're, they're on a swamp, and there's already talk of like a lot of toxins and things like that. There may not be anything supernatural, um, or if there is supernatural, it may just be that everybody is kind of on the brink of going psychotic because of the fumes and because of the deities and the demons, that if you get pushed over the edge in just the right way, you're going to break and you're going to do crazy things. Now, I'd expect it to be more consistent throughout the year, but it always seems to happen around the same time. So maybe this is when the swamp gets particularly active with some gases or something. I don't know. So... I'll throw out my theory then. <laughs> okay. It mixes with the futons. <laughs> yeah, that's what it um, is. I do the. I think there's supernatural stuff going on with Rika, obviously, because we know mm -hmm. that, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think wh whoever's whoever killed Rika and and Sadako in in the first yeah. arc, um, I think there is somebody else who uses the curse because they kind of hinted actually, I think in this arc that, yeah, sometimes the curse is just an excuse to get rid of the enemies and they just know everyone will just say the curse. Oh, well, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and I think, I think Turn there's the someone, way. I think there's someone who is using that to their advantage. So I do think there's a very non supernatural mm -hmm. villain at play here. Um, separate from my idea of there's a puppet master, um, but I, I don't know who or why. I just well, and what's really weird is whether or not that would be consistent, like uh, the same person every time, right? Because right. we know that one of these killings, they've identified who did it and they got him. Um, and yet there were more killings afterwards. And in some cases, also, it seems very personal, like the, the killing could only be performed by somebody who personally suffered or knew someone who suffered that drove them into this passionate revenge. Um so, yeah, it's fascinating. Okay, we gotta go on with story though. Mm. So yeah, we do start this arc on six six, which is the, I think the first back we start with. And he wakes up for a the club's like, hey, you need to come down here. We got a game. And he goes and they're playing in a board game store. They're gonna have a game tournament. Um, and so that made me ask, okay, how popular is the game of life in Japan? Because they <laughs> the game he gets yeah. to play. Basically, Ugh. all the girls win using their personal strength. Mion rigged the game, so she won. Uh, <laughs> Rina is playing a game with cute things, so she's collecting things really fast. And then Rika is being allowed to win because it's Rika. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, KG's getting his butt kicked. He ends up manipulating the kids, promising them dates with uh, <laughs> Satoko and Rika. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing collars. It got really yes. creepy. Dog ears and yeah. cat ears. Yep. Um, but yeah, so he wins. Um, and then while they're leaving, the, the store owner gives them some prizes for helping drum up business for the store. Uh, and it's it's like dolls for everyone. He gets what I consider a creepy doll. Just so you guys know, <laughs> I have a fear of creepy dolls. So when he pulled yes. that out, I'm like, this is the scariest thing in the show so far. Yes. <laughs> and also, it must like, have been an insult from the store owner. <laughs> like... Why would you but give the only boy this creepy doll? But in the context of the anime, this is apparently is a very valuable doll, very nice doll, and everybody likes it. So he actually gives it to Mion uh, on Rika's suggestion. 
that's important. Rika's like, hey, you you should uh, you should give that to 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 me on. It's... I stumbled across when I was reading the synopsis, and in the first series, he doesn't give it to me, and he gives it to somebody else. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, is it to me? This is also where. This is also where we find out Mion has a part-time job here at the game store, right? She has yeah. a part-time job. She mm-hmm. doesn't say where yet. Oh, okay. oh, right. I, yeah. I had, so I had assumed it was at the game store, and we find out it is at the game store. But mm-hmm. um, and from the context of what people talk about later, no one knew it was at the game store. Right. Okay. Yeah, I had just made the assumption because of the way the manager had interacted yeah, with it. With I felt well, like it was uncle. obvious. I agree with you. <laughs> Yeah, she called him uncle and then said, I'm working for uncle. That was the only uncle I knew. Yeah. Yeah. Then we find out she's related to like half the village. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we jump all the way to uh, June 13th, 1983. And he's back at the cosplay cafe. Well, he's for the first time visiting the cosplay cafe with his dad. And he's like, why were we here? And the dad's like, but look around. Boobies. <laughs> um, and then uh, their like, the waitress not even that good. Nobody comes here for the food. Exactly. <laughs> and then the waitress is Mion, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, Mion, uh, you look fantastic!" But I can't believe you'd work in a place like this. And she's like, "I'm not Mion. I'm the twin sister Shion." Now the anime does a great job of making you like, I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, yeah. But but for since we're in spoiler section, this is actually the character Shion, Mion's true twin sister, who didn't show up in the last arc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also goes to a school in the the nearby town. Doesn't go to school with everybody else. She's in a school uniform most of the time, so I assume that she's going to a real regular school. It's a different uniform than their uniform, though. Yes. Yes. Do you think she's actually the manager of the little baseball team? Or do you think that was just her playing with words in the third arc? I don't want to talk about that yet because I'll get mad. Okay. And I planned on getting <laughs> mad at that part. <laughs> okay. Okay, so but time to talk about Xion. What do you guys think of her? Voluptuous. <laughs> well, that's what I thought. When he goes, when he goes, Mion, you work here? I was like, if she does, she grew up real fast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Of course, she uh, is the younger sister, so that's even worse, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, right. But by a few seconds, right? Doesn't that count? <laughs> yeah, right. As a father of twins, no. <laughs> oh, no. <okay>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, only one gets she... to be the heiress. That's true. Yeah. I actually really, I, I liked this character, especially in contrast to her sister. She's more of a girly girl. Um she's definitely uses she she knows her beauty and she uses it to her advantage um but she is really well developed as far as her personality and what she's willing to do in the third act um but in this one here uh, it's very clear that she's good at manipulation and um yeah so i i i i liked her time uh because like in, in each arc we have our happy like sugary scenes she kind of makes the sugariness in a very almost creepy way mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's hard to put your finger on why but you're like that's not quite normal but it's also believable like but a little creepy <laughs> so especially yeah. in the second act yeah 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 so 
Uh-huh. Oh, I was just going to say that I thought they did a really good job making it convincing that she's irritated that her twin sister gets to be the heir, uh, the heiress. I, I really got that from her, where multiple times she calls her out and says, you should use your influence. You should use your influence. And she has like this impotent rage where she you could tell she wishes that she had the power that um, Mion is going to get so that she could do the things that she thinks needs to be done. She has this righteous indignation that just she can't do anything about it. And so she's just going to press forward. And we really see it in the third arc. But but even here, you know, um, she stands up for KG and. And you, you can tell there's a dislike between the sisters. Mm-hmm. Shion gets a little manipulative in this one just to put the screws to, to me on. Yep. Um, I want to contrast what Jason said about how she grew up. I think Mion and Shion's body shape is similar, but Mion mm-hmm. dresses to hide it because in the next day, Shion brings food to kg to eat and we find out later it wasn't it was Mion who who forgets that it was her at one point they right. had to like clarify it no that was you remember oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but this is Mion in Xion's school uniform looking exactly the same so mm-hmm. it's really the clothes but also you know anime attitude i, I can draw things mm-hmm. a little bigger when i put on cosplay <laughs> outfits Yes. <laughs> and put the hair down too. That made a big difference. Yes. Yeah, she Mion usually does the ponytail. Um then on the fifteenth, he returns the canisters to Mion at school, embarrassing her. Um Which was really weird because it, it seemed like she didn't know where they were coming from. Like she was surprised that which she's the one that brought them there. Like it's all just so confusing. Right, which the fact that they're not even sure which twin is which sometimes <laughs> is like, how is I supposed to figure that out? Uh, yeah, I do think the anime did a good job of of keeping this a, a secret and, and me yes. guessing because at some points I was like, oh yeah, definitely has a twin sister. I'm like, no, maybe two. There was two in the OP, but maybe that's just to point out that she's Got splitting two her personality. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that's the last one having a crazy schoolmate wouldn't be that weird um right <laughs> uh he he goes back to the restaurant and there's some hoodlums hanging out there causing trouble he uh runs afoul of them and what ends up being Shion, i thought i wrote down me but it was Shion <laughs> defends <laughs> him and then all the villagers that are nearby like jump in to help and are like a pack of creepy yeah. Yeah. Feral faces all growling. Mm-hmm. And um Oishi shows up and arrests the boys uh <laughs> and takes them away. KG gets a free meal as a thank you. And that night he gets a call from Shion asking if he wants to be a dessert taste tester. He's like, That sounds awesome. So the next day he goes and he does that. There's a scene where Shion spills a dessert on a nerdy customer's lap. Yeah. Who that? Well, he, he made her. her. Yeah, he tripped her, mm-hmm. and then is making her clean his lap. And so mm-hmm. KG tries to defend her and gets knocked out. <laughs> uh, and then so they he, 
she takes him out and she's like calling him her, her boyfriend now. She's like, oh, you're so sweet. Um, hugging on him and is like, hey, let's go to this store. And will you buy me the doll? And it's the exact same doll you gave to me on. They go in to buy it. And guess who's working in the store? It's me on. And so this, <laughs> this is when I say when she was putting some screws to me on. This is that was that was me. Uh, and this is where the enemy reveals, hey, there are actually two of them. Mm-hmm. And when you wrote me on uh, a moment ago, Troy, you were an idiot. <laughs> and it does <laughs> it does seem like, you know, because Shion's a lot, lot less girly, she's a lot less open with her feelings. She seems okay. to really like KG. And, and it says, seems like Shion's coming on to mm-hmm. KG just to spite her sister. Yes. Yeah. Although... I, I read uh, in the episode synopsis that they both like him. So I don't know if that's just an interpretation or not. Well, if if this was a game with a framing of a romantic visual novel, and I don't, I'm not 100% sure that's how the game, well, the genre of the game, but that's kind of my interpretation from watching the anime. That would make sense that everybody yeah. likes him. Oh, yeah, that's true. The teacher, <laughs> Oishi, everybody. He's clearly the player character. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um then on the eighteenth he's helping prepare for the festival and they're up at the shrine and Mion and Shion are there and then Tomataki and his nurse friend show up. Um and then also Oishi shows up and everyone's Do we talk about what's going on? Do we not talk about Mion's like, I don't want to talk about it. Shion's like, I do want to talk about it. Oishi's like, (laughs) you all uh, have a pleasant day. But I do want to talk, take this time to talk about Tomotaki, the photographer, and Mio, who is his nurse friend. Uh, Your guys' thoughts on them? I'm unsure how to... I'm unsure what to say about them, because... They seem to be just side characters, but they seem to be really important side characters because every time every time the festival happens, they both disappear. And there seems to be this implication that they are victims of the curse. But the curse is specifically someone gets murdered and then someone disappears. They both disappear and no one hears from them for days. And so... I don't know if, like, yeah, there's just, in this particular arc, we get a lot more time with them. Uh, Mio seems real crazy to me. <laughs> and uh, uh, Tomotaki seems just like a normal dude. Just, yeah. you know, kind of, he, he <laughs> seems like he's trying to find out more. He seems like he's trying to find out more about what's going on. And it seems like photography of birds is definitely a cover. For something. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to put my finger on either of them and like in what they're doing. If he is a secret agent though, a foldable bike is gotta be the lamest mode of transportation. (laughs) (laughs) Well it blends in well. Does it? All right. (laughs) It's good for his cover story. What what do you think of them, Jeremy? Um, I I am really curious about why they're there i mean obviously they're there to take pictures and find out whether this is all real and whether it's it's all true but she neon kind of seems like she wants to believe it Uh, she comes across that way where it's this is a morbid curiosity that i hope is true 
and I want to take these pictures, even though I'm trying to prove it false. I kind of hope it's true and it's so creepy. What really got me was that Sorry, there's dogs screaming outside. Oh, we can't hear him. You're good. Can't hear him? Okay. Um, what really got me was that when they disappeared the in the first episode, in the, in the first arc, in the second arc, the same thing happens, but then he's told two different things. He's told that they they disappeared and no one knows, and then he's told, oh, no, they three different things. And then he's told, oh, no, they actually fled in a truck. And then he's told later by Rika... Oh, they're dead. So which one is true? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you can fly, flee in a truck and not get away and then die. That, that's sure. That's true. They could have all just gotten bits of information at different times. But for the anime to deliberately give you those bits of information without... I, does it ever confirm that, yes, we found their remains? I know he goes through a list of different people that he found the remains of. Never shows them. In I'm most sure. situations, there's there's been there's a few that they don't show remains, but in most situations when they mention someone's died, they show the remains either in flashback mode or they That's come true. across the body. And I don't I don't think they're mentioned. In the, yeah, in, the in that list. So, but other than that, from what I can tell, they're just this isn't their turn to be important. I guess. Tomataki, I find interesting that he comes off as creepy in the first one and then a friend in the second and third mm -hmm. and then Mio kind of comes across as creepy in the second one and then a friend in the third uh, what I want what I really wanted to point out though the real reason I wanted to talk about these characters is that in the English dub everything Mio says is completely mostly generic stuff but it sounds like the most evil villain ever saying it <laughs> like the she way she be... speaks yeah. It sounds like Roswell, like the way she like her inflection and the way she, like her pacing. It's like, oh, it's Roswell. She'd be like, <laughs> I, I cuddled with a puppy last night. But she'd be like, I cuddled with a puppy last night. <laughs> what? That's Did not evil. Survive? Why do you sound so evil with that? Yeah. Every line she had, I'm like, this is like the most sinister line reads I've ever heard. But she's just talking <laughs> about like, we're going to open the shed and go inside. <laughs> so weird. I mean, when she reads the demon story and stuff, it, it fit. But everything she said, oh, you're going to go kiss. What? <laughs> great. It's a great, great character choice. I love it. <laughs> Even at the protest, she's like, I'm glad we got to join you here at the protest. <laughs> <It's so weird. laughs> That is that is got to be a dub thing because in the sub, she came across as just genuinely interested and a little bit creepy, but nothing like what you guys are describing. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was classic. It was it was really good. It was just the, a very cool. solid line reading choice. Like you could tell, like the actress is like, I am going for this, and I'm going for it on every line. I loved it. Cool. Um. Yeah, and then so the next day, uh, Shion, uh, when the festival starting, Shion grabs Kaiji before the uh, Rika's dance starts and, and pulls him out, and she's like, "Hey, let's go spy on on Tomotaki and Mio." And they're at this sto sacred storage shed, <laughs> and, and they're like, "Hey, we we really they they get caught by him, so they're all they're like, "Hey, we want to go in with you." So they break into the the sacred storage shed. And there's a shrine to or Oryoishi, 
um, the, the deity. And then there's all these tools, torture devices, spikes, mm-hmm. hooks, claws, you know, ways yep. to murder people. And then um, Mio re- basically tells the story, uh, the folklore behind this village is that it used to be uh, a village next to a demon portal. The demons would attack the humans. Uh, the god eventually showed up and was like, hey, um, I'm a cool guy. And they were like, you are a cool guy. We love you. And he's like, great, I'm going to turn you into humans. And then you can all just live together in the village. And then they started, you know, having children with the regular humans. And now all that demon blood has passed on into the village. And now they're all man eaters. And that's why they. And the, the, the cotton festival is really supposed to be the guts of people that they float down the right. river. And, and all everything is just has a morbid background that they've replaced with cotton. And yep. then you think about Rika's dance where she's chopping at something. Uh, like, well, maybe that wasn't farming. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting that they were basically playing on... Um, a lot of civilizations had things like this. Mm-hmm. And... And so seeing how it was interwoven with like, oh, the, you know, they, they mingled their blood with demons and that's why they're, they're still doing it, but secretly. And they would like harvest nearby villagers and bring them over and do it only once a year though, is what makes me curious. Like if this story is true, I would expect them to be doing it a lot more frequently to sate their appetite. Well, and they point out that the, the God, the deity actually chooses who the sacrifices would be every year and yada, yada, yada. Um, I think it's Lord Arashido. Is that right? Lord Oreo? Yeah, that works. (laughs) Like I said, I've seen his name a few times in my notes. I just don't know the the full pronunciation. Um, KG gets upset with the story. He's like, that's not cool. I don't like this. I'm very uncomfortable. And Shion's like, I'm going to touch the statue. And she does. And it breaks. (laughs) Except for it splits. The head comes off and splits perfectly in half. And I'm like, ooh, that's a clue. And then it apparently is not a clue. Uh, it looks a lot more sinister than it appears, I think, because if you notice the inside, you know, you've you, you've got the when it split yeah, in two, you had like the, the outside molding. But then on the inside was like the shape of a head, like it had a nose area, mouth, and it had no okay. effect on the outside. And then when they put it back together, there was a small opening mm-hmm. like in in the chest cavity. And I'm like, oh, that's where they store people. Yeah. Okay, that makes Whoever's sense. missing. <laughs> it, ju- it did seem that way. Yeah. Uh, Tomotaki finally comes in the storehouse and they put the head back. Um, Mio stays inside to take pictures because this is what they were here for. Uh, they do miss the festival. And then on their way back, uh, the the gang all finds Keiji. And they, they're like, hey, where were you? He's like, oh, I was there. Totally saw the dance. It was perfect. And they're like, oh, gosh, you messed up. What are you talking about? He's like, dang it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then uh, eventually he's found by Oishi, who's like, hey, have you seen Tomotaki and Mio? And he's like, what? No. He's like, oh, it's okay. I know you did. Bye. And then Shion (laughs) calls him that night. He's like, have you seen Tomotaki and Mio? He's like, why do people keep asking me that? (laughs) He's like, she's like, because they're missing. Uh, they got in a truck and they fled for their lives. And that was the last anyone has seen of them. And then after a sleepless night, he goes to school and Rika talks to him 
And at first she's kind of being comforting, but then her eyes start to glow and she starts yelling at him. And she's like, hey, I know what you did. You messed up real bad. Hang on. I had a. Okay, we're good. Oh, good. I'm going to go pee real quick. Okay, I'll fix my speakers. Sorry, Just, he was scratching at the door. I didn't know if you guys could hear it. No, your microphone isn't picking up anything. Okay. You're, you're good. Jason had to pee. Oh, good timing then. Didn't have to use the, the bottle under the table trick. <laughs> I just <laughs> hear it filling up on the microphone, but... <laughs> yeah. Funny. I don't know what that sound is. <laughs> must be in the... Uh, must be in the airwaves. My microphone's just picking up something in the static. <laughs> I'll try to hurry this up. I don't have any more characters to talk about, and I can we can go through um, the last arc pretty fast because it's just hanging out at child services all day yeah it is that was a really <laughs> boring arc sad but yeah i'm like yes. okay bureaucracy yes. the enemy <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> the yes. great enemy of everyone mm-hmm. and, anyway he gets um so yeah after she, as she ends on the phone he gets really upset with her he's like you need to fix this you ruined everything this is all your fault um and then after a sleepless night yeah then we have Rika shows up, starts comforting him, and then her eyes start glowing, and she starts scolding him. And this is all your fault, KG. You got them killed. Tomataki's dead. Mio's dead. This is all you. You're. And then uh, they get interrupted, and she turns back into normal. This felt very different than most of the times when Rika starts talking in her deeper voice. Again, the glowing eyes, I don't think, is the same as the older 100-year-old Rika that's trying to fix things. Now, did he see the glowing eyes? He yeah, didn't. I don't know. I don't know. Did he notice her voice change? Like, <laughs> I guess what I, what I'm thinking is, um, a, a child speaking in a different voice would be unnerving, but seeing eyes <laughs> yeah. begin to glow would be you couldn't let that pass. Um, and it did look like he was looking at her a couple of times while it was happening. So I assumed that he did see. So you think the eye glowing is just an artistic, hey, just so you know that this person's being a little crazy? Yeah, especially since in the first arc, her eyes were glowing when she was looking through the door, but she never actually did that. Or if she did, he didn't see it. So that was in his head. That is true. Mm-hmm. But we've seen people go crazy without their eyes glowing, too. Mm-hmm. I'll say this. I want the eyes glowing to mean something. But you yeah, absolutely could too. be right. It doesn't. Um. Yeah, she. They get interrupted by Tomotaki and, and not Tomotaki. Um, Satoko, and she turns back. But after lunch, Rika's missing. So they all go looking for her. Um, 
Mion had seen her earlier, and so they go check that. It was right after he talked to her, um, and then Mion's like, I saw her talking to a man. Uh, in a construction outfit. In a construction outfit, thank you. Um, <laughs> and then they go, and he checks the bathroom, but the door is locked, and then Mion's like, oh, let's check on the roof. So he goes up on a ladder, and then Mion starts shaking the ladder, like, I have to stop her. It's all her. It's Rika's fault. I have to stop her and shaking the ladder, and that... Seems like she's about to snap until the teacher interrupts, and he's like, "Oh, never mind. Let's go." <laughs> and I was thinking, she can't really do anything. Like, well, he can jump off of that ladder, so this isn't really a threat to him right now. So, is she literally just trying to tell him, but at the same time freaking out, like she's trembling because of it? It, it was just a really weird scene altogether. I couldn't tell if she wanted to hurt him or just inform him. He gets a call from it, it. It ends up being Mion, but he's not even sure who's calling him. And they're like, hey, meet me at the water wheel, which is they pass on the way to school. Um, so he goes and he meets Mion and she takes him to her house and she changes into a kimono. And he ends up confessing, hey, I went into the sacred storehouse and I'm so sorry. Uh, please help me make things better. And she's like, yeah, the village will be upset with you. But, you know, you apologize. It's all good. But I am gonna need you to trust me and come with me. And they go. Her, and apparently her family owns like this whole mountain and they go a little ways to the mountain and there's a secret underground bunker inside the mountain and they go inside and she's like, yeah, the, the ritual thing is real. We don't do that anymore, but we my family built this backup ritual room <laughs> just in case we ever needed it. We never use it. Um, but also we have all these, this is a place for keeping prisoners um, for the ritual. And also I'm worried about your safety. So I'm locking you in this cell. Unless <laughs> so she locks him in the cell and then someone shows up on the alarms and she's like, they are here. So she grabs a gun. And, and it's the same construction worker guys again. Yes. And she grabs a gun and she leaves him. He breaks down the prison door super uh, easy. That was so dumb. I did not like but, that. But then the wooden door that's right after it is well, also barricaded so he can't get past. I thought that was the metal door that could stop bullets. It right. is. That's what she said. It is. But then it wouldn't be well, wooden. Yeah. Okay. Metal door. It, it, okay. A big, big old barricaded door, and he ba yeah. literally bashes his head into it until he knocks himself out. And then he wakes up. Dumb, but yeah, it was really dumb. Yeah. It's also dumb he could just break down the prison door. It was also like yes. super redundant. Why not just yes. have him knock himself out there? Like right. I, I can, like I could buy like, hey, this is a super old, yeah. like maybe rusted outdoor, right? I could buy that. But I'm going to bash my head into this wall, into this door so much that I'm going to be bleeding and knock myself out. Eh. Yeah, I agree. And, anyway, Oishi finds him and he wakes up and the cops had all come. And then he's goes to the hospital again. He wakes uh, and then after the hospital, um, Oishi talks to him, tells him everything that happened. This is when I started getting frustrated. <laughs> They found bodies in the well, including Shion's. Mion mm -hmm. um, was found dead with Sokoto, and Rika, they found Rika in the school septic tank. So when he checked that locked door, she was inside the toilet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so everyone's dead, except for Rina? Rina's That's not dead. Got, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I'm really frustrated right now at this storyline because obviously these these are very different stories and like he knew Tomataki in this one. So it, we're not repeating the same events. So we're not getting to see events from different points of view and flesh them out. I don't know why Shion was in the well. Did Mion put her there? Did right. her family put her there? Did the guys in the constructions? Will I ever get to find out who did that? I hope so. But right now I feel like I'm not going to get to it because we're never seeing this from another point of view as far as I know. The way this show has been set up so far. And that's driving me a little bit bonkers. In my opinion. It feels like, you know, Xion obviously is the one that went nuts this time instead of, or not Xion, but Mion went nuts mm. instead of uh, Rena. I think Mion did all the killings. Like, I think she put Rika in the septic tank. I think she put Xion in the well. And then obviously she lost in her scuffle with uh, Sakoto. Which so, I find unbelievable how did she lose to a kindergartner when she has a gun right well it looked like both of them died to gun wounds so but there was only one gun in the middle of them yeah maybe maybe she got a hold of it who knows if rika was already dead then why was she wanting to stop rika yeah that's another great question yeah no that's true because it was after she would have killed. Then, then the question becomes, who are the construction workers? Yep. And are they the ones that did it? And there is the answer. She's crazy, right? <laughs> she killed there Rika is. and still thinks she has to stop Rika. But that that's exactly what I, they're, I need some more information about this specific storyline. Mm-hmm. And since we're not repeating, I don't know if the storyline's ever coming back. Right. I, I don't know if it, the, the next storyline doesn't flesh out anything except for that we meet the grandma. And they do hide bodies in the well. <laughs> That's apparently just yeah. a thing they do. But that doesn't tell me who killed Xion. That doesn't tell me who killed Rika. Um, I'm hoping the anim- the second I have hope the anim- second half has a plan. At this point, especially if I stopped right now, I, I was very frustrated. And maybe it's because I've been going through ReZero so long that I get to see a lot of stuff from multiple angles with time loops. And maybe it's just having time loops stuck in my head because I thought that's what this was. I'm trying to let that go and not see this as a time loop, but as multiple stories with similarities. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that is my frustration. And And it gets worse. uh, We don't get the witch's call music either. So, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Good music. All right. The last the last arc. Um. We see a man who will end up being uh, Sadako's uncle yell at his neighbor and basically just be a horrible person. Um, then at lunch that day, everyone's talking about their fancy food. And KG starts making fun of Satoko when she makes fun of him about lunches. And he's like, well, what's the difference between broccoli and cauliflower? And she can't figure it out. And she starts crying. And he's a big meanie. Um, so they challenge him, like, well, fine, you bring a, your fanciest lunch tomorrow. Let's show us what you got, KG. He's like, I will. And he goes home, and his mom isn't there to make it for him. <laughs> She's gone to Tokyo. And he's like, oh, no. He's like, that's fine. I'll figure out how to cook. Well, by the end of his cooking, uh, luckily, Rika and Toko come by and save him from the fire <laughs> storm that he has built. Um, and then we find out that Satoko actually knows how to cook, and she makes everyone a, a home-cooked meal. We also learn about her brother who had ran away slash disappeared that she used to call Nene, Nini, Nini, Nini. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so then there's just a really sweet moment. And, and it's really nice to see her character flush out because she had just kind of been the brat up to this point and then seeing mm-hmm. that there is um, more to her. We'd, we'd already talked about her. Um, then the next day he gets a call that, hey, you need to come save her. And so he runs because they're at a baseball game. That they're he brings the golf, golf club. club. He, brings, <laughs> he brings the golf club. Uh, they're at a baseball game and Satoko hits a home run and they win the game. And he's like, wait, why did I have to come here? Mm-hmm. At the 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 coach of the baseball thing has to give him barbecue for winning. That was the deal they made with him. And we meet this guy and he starts talking about her, about how he's asking. This KG is so if, creepy. Thank yeah. you. He's asking KG if she's gonna he's gonna marry her and like oh that'd be a rival with me because I want to marry her but actually I want to adopt her and I'm like and I'm, I'm like oh this is like a 16 year old creepy guy and then we find out like no he's like the school doctor yeah he's a grown man school doctor <laughs> coach yeah yeah he's the creepy. baseball coach and then I initially excused it because I thought oh maybe it's a political marriage thing and he's like got her lined up because she's head of some important family or something and so you know he intends to marry her he'll be like 50 but then when they just continued with it and i found out that he really is nobody on the council like this is yeah that was weird he's just kind of into cute little girls but not in a super pervy way but in a little pervy it's a little pervy yeah yeah and i'm like maybe she's fine living with her best friend at a shrine by herself (laughs) Yeah. But plus, I mean, this entire episode talks about how there's uh, they actually quote the articles or name the articles about how the child has to live with their guardian. But then they also tell you that there's these two little girls that are kindergartners living without anyone. No parents. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just an implicit guardian is there. I have no idea. It's weird. Now, now this is where I got driven crazy. Sheon walks up and she's like, I'm the manager of the baseball team. And Satoko's like a little sister to me. And everyone's like, hey, Shion. And in the last one, it wasn't just Keiji who found out that Shion was a twin sister. Right. No one knew about her. Her <laughs> existence was unknown to every other character. And in this one, every character knows her. That and along with Keiji being like, my friends told me all about the damn story. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mio walking up and him being like, hey, Mio. And I'm like, I guess in this this can't be a time loop. There's, there's just no way. Like, like I said, if it, maybe the the point is four years back, but this is so different from everything else. He knows, and it feels lazy like the it? anime. Like we already introduced this character, so just assume. But what day is it? Like what day is it during this time? <laughs> that Nobody I don't know. Did you say? You, well, you said you wrote it down. Okay. Now I can. Go ahead. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah. Oh, good. Did you write down what day it is for this this particular event? Mm, the barbecue is on 6-12. 12. And we met Mion in the last one on 6-8. No, that's true. 6-13 is when he ate at the cafe with his dad and met her. Yeah, so it's like they're. It it's has to be way before. But that doesn't. That doesn't make sense that nobody has met Shion. You're dang right. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense. But I remember well, that too. To my insanity. <laughs> I remember them okay, being that's surprised fair. that she had a sister. Yeah, Redna even says she's never mentioned it. Yeah. Huh. So 
yeah, it's like they're scrambling everything. It's like they've got a big bucket and they're like shaking all the ingredients and then dump right. them out on the right. counter. Same character, same setting, completely different story. I mean, we haven't. This is all about that uncle that we've never ever heard of, and and it's just. But again, now I'll never get to know why Shion was in that well, and now I'll never know why did the uncle show up this time. Yeah, as far yeah, as where I the know. heck did the uncle come from? That's that's one of the things that really bugs me, and the only thing I can come up with is that it's that branching solution because where was he influencing the previous arcs? Like I was thinking back and. And Sadako was just having a blast at the festival on the previous ones. There was no mention of moving back with an uncle or anything. So what happened that could have possibly made him show up? I think the thing that really clued me in was when the parents left at different times and for different lengths, which there was no cause uh, from anything that we saw. The only thing that like would make sense it, like as I'm thinking about it is... As Rika has to redo these events, I wonder if she's messing with specific pieces of uh, she, events to get different she, outcomes on the 22nd. So in this, ep well, in this arc, she mentions we're breaking fate. But in, this, in the second episode, in that one scene, she did mention this time I know what to do and I'm not just rolling the dice to see if I change fate. That's the only thing I can think of. She's yeah. She also starts quoting things that that the characters have said in a different shard because mm -hmm. I never heard him say anything about fate. Breaking fate is as easy as tearing wet paper, and I didn't hear uh, Mion say something that she said Mion said in right. this either. Right. So she's starting to quote from different points and expose that even to them. Um on on the way home. Uh, he mentions about the the brother and about the dam incident. We find out that um, Sadako's parents were pro dam, and so her family's been kind of an outcast in the village because the hojis. That, yeah, the the hojos. Hojos or hojis? Hojos. I'm hojos. almost sure, but I I didn't write it down, so I don't trust anything that's not in pen. <laughs> and even then, it's like fifty fifty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, but uh, Rena gets upset, and this is where Mion's like, "Hey, Rena, yeah, you just go on. I'll I'll talk to him about it." Um, <laughs> and then they they talk about the the brother disappearing. Um, and then at the end of this, Satoko finds out she has to go home with her uncle. And so the next day at school, oh no, we have another flash to something we've never seen, which is Kaiji attacking the uncle with a baseball bat while he's driving his scooter like in the middle of the forest something that hasn't happened it doesn't happen uh, but obviously a flash to another shard like you mentioned here mm -hmm. um but both rika and S S i have so much trouble with her name S S Sotoko are late to school rika finally shows up and she's like no i i she's not with me um they they find out basically that she's back with her uncle and that her her uncle and aunt used to be abusive to her. And then the aunt was murdered at last year's festival. Um, and then the uncle fled and has been missing since then. But now has come back, which he picked a really bad time to come back. Like it's three days. I would wait till like a week after the festival. If yeah. I was a tyrant about to come back. But that's just me. If I was a villain. Um. <laughs> yep, yep. Be a little smarter villain. Yeah. Um, and. and 
they so they the they she does show up eventually and she's like yeah i'm back living with my uncle that he's my guardian i'm not coming home with with eureka um but she acts like everything's cool and then she's missing again the next day so they go to the teacher and they're like hey we, we gotta do something and she's like well I got, i'll pay a visit and then maybe mention it to social services she visits them the uncle's rude to her doesn't let her in um they do get called social services or child services and then but they basically investigate and say it's pending we, we can't determine and we find out that they're Sadako had been living with her mother and stepfather, and she didn't like her stepfather. It wasn't abusive, but she just didn't get along with him, and she had filed a false um, report with Child Services. And so Child Services doesn't take her claims fully. And also there is the fact that her family name kind of has a little bit of... It makes it so nobody else really wants to help her because they're, they were pro-damn, and how dare you do that? <laughs> So, like, how old was she when that happened? Because if she's, like, seven right now and her brother disappeared three years ago, she would have been, like, four. four. And then if you go back to before that, when her parents actually died, she would have been, like, three. When did she file a report about her the parents? The events of the dam were only three years ago. Really? Yeah. But they, they yeah, said they that her that. brother, when did they say her brother went missing? Because uh, our KG guy has only time. been there. No, her brother went missing no. last year. So the aunt oh, died and the year. brother disappeared. Yeah, but I didn't think it was last year. I thought it was a few years ago because KG came to town last year and it happened well before he came to town. But he, he wasn't there for the festival. No, but he says he's been here for a year. So I'm assuming he got there just after the festival. Right. So let's just pretend it lines up so we can finish up. Yeah. <laughs> She's been like five or four. Right. So weird. So in, in this story, basically, they keep going to child services offices and being like, hey, you need to look into this. This is bad. She's being abused. And she even shows up for school one day and is acting like, oh, I had you all worried. Everything's fine. Yeah, child services called. I told him not to worry about it. Everything's fine. And he goes to pat her head like he always does. And she just loses it. Barfs on the floor, starts screaming, help me, save me, someone like this is one of the creepiest thing we've seen mm -hmm. since the first arc. Um, this, and it wasn't even a supernatural thing. It was just childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. uh, most of this arc is dealing with the bureaucracy of child services, which is kind of dull, but the yeah. horror of what this poor child is going through is very intense and, and tough to watch at times. So, um, yeah. It, it kind of has this like this is mostly boring but also still horrible <laughs> right um but yeah and then so they they get the entire class to go and the teacher to go and the, the, so they're so like oh, yeah, we still can't do anything um so they they start up a protest and then um tomataki and mio show up and um the coach the baseball coach shows up with banners and they, they start um, but that still isn't enough. And they're like, okay, well, what if we used Mion's family's name to to push some things around? And they get invited to the festival planning committee meeting where all these people will be. Um, but while there, the mayor, who is an uncle of Mion and part of that family, uh, has a side conversation with the teacher. And then the teacher has a conversation with uh, KG. And she's like, hey, you should probably stop. Um, because the school is at risk now because the the mayor is like, hey, let's not cause waves for a hojo. 
Uh, and then these kids are like, no one even cares that they're a Hojo anymore. Like that was years ago. All that's uh, water under the bridge. She had nothing to do with it. But because her name is Hojo, no one wants to be the first one to say, let's not care about that anymore. So they go into the council. They do a great speech at him. And Rena actually comes through with, you know, great. She really backs up uh, KG and then convinces the mayor and everyone there. But they're like, yeah, but you have to get grandma's permission. <laughs> she runs the family. The demon so. hag. <laughs> uh-huh. So they go to grandma and she's like, nope, Hojo's suck. I hate Hojo's. Let them. And let I'll put run. a bullet in your head if you don't get go, get out of here. <laughs> and then so Is that what she says in English. Yeah. Oh, KG, my God. And then KG's like, I'm going to murder you, old woman. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to murder you. <laughs> And he's like, okay, well, if threatening you doesn't work, I guess I'll beg for you. And, and then she's like, that's not going to work either. He's like, okay, then I'm back to murdering you. <laughs> yep. And then they get kicked out. And then the mayor comes out and he's like, that worked. She's going to do it. And then uh, Mion and Shion's mom is like, you're a sexy kid. And I was like, creepy. <laughs> what? <laughs> Again? <laughs> um... So the they do get all jealous. Yeah, they did. <laughs> so they do another protest, and now everyone's there. The mayor's there. Almost the whole village is there. And and so the point where the, the child services people are freaked out because like, remember the damn incident? These people murdered people. <laughs> yeah. Um but then Oishi arrives. He's like, Hey, can I talk to you guys? And he pulls the kids and the mayor side. He's like, Yeah, you're not allowed to mess with a government building. You can't interfere with their work. This is illegal. You have to disperse. And they're like, oh, we're not really interfering with them. <laughs> he's like, sorry, orders are orders. But then he walks away and he's like, uh, it'll take care of itself. And then a, um, what is he called? Not a councilman. Assemblyman. Mm. Yeah, Assemblyman, assemblyman. who's mm-hmm. also an uncle to Mion, shows up with a lawyer. And then the child services executive gets a call from the mayor of the big town that this mm-hmm. village is an offshoot of. And it's told like, oh yeah, you need to to do this. This is I, I we need to get on top of this. And then we find out that the grandma had gone and asked a favor, and she's like, yeah, that kid who threatened to kill me, he's the best. <laughs> he's so <laughs> cool. And, but she's like, oh, I'm glad the village is going to be in good hands. Um, so they go. They uh, and Oishi's like, I'll, I'll drive him. And, and Oishi even does this thing where like, I I respect the kids, um, and especially that that KG guy for you know he stood even though he got his way, he stood up for what he believed. I got a lot of respect for him. And then he takes the child services there. They go and they arrest the uncle. Um, Sadako calls KG and she tells him like, I'll be fine. I'm back with Rika. They all go to the festival together, and during the the Rika's performance, she takes him up onto the hill and asks if she can call him Nini and as her big brother from now on. And he agrees. And then she's like, let's go back so no one knows that we we did this. Uh, and then they go back uh, to her, to the shrine house that she lives in with Rika. And the uncle's there. He got out of jail and attacks with a baseball bat, hits KG over the head. KG gets the bat and then beats him to a bloody pulp. As he's we've seen, he's good at doing mm-hmm. Um um, and then he passes out and then he wakes up and Oishi's partners there asks him if he remembers anything. And then when he tries to, it hurts him. So he doesn't talk. And Oishi's partner is like, don't worry about it. If you remember, we'll just talk later. 
And then eventually Rena comes to visit him and he's like, why hasn't anyone come to see me in the hospital? And she's like, yeah, uh, Oishi pulled out his gun and just murdered everybody at the festival. Uh, That's like a carpet pulled out from under your feet moment. Like everything we just went through with this bureaucracy, boring crap. And then you kill everyone off screen with no explanation. Uh, Sadako's dead, Rika's dead, um, Mion, Chion, Tom, Tom, I think she even mentioned Tomataki and Mio, maybe, uh, in this. everyone but Rina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone but Rina died. Which, you know, Sadako, who was at the attack, probably was running to get help and got killed. And got him. killed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this also, uh, this is another frustrating part that, if I'm watching a horror anime, I don't necessarily want it all to be off screen. <laughs> right. Yeah. I kind of would have liked to have seen lead up to this. And again, we're probably not going to get another point of view on this ever again because of the way these stories work. This so, world's done. Uh, yeah. That that That's the end of Any other thoughts on that arc before we close up? I just find it really frustrating because that sets a precedent that nothing really matters. If you can, if you can completely wipe away the entire slate of characters with no explanation at the end, off screen, when everything seems to line up okay, um, then why couldn't you do that every time? Right. Well, it, it, which, ugh. it strengthens my theory, though, for myself, that there's a puppet master behind it. Because Rico kept saying, "Like we are breaking fate, we are doing it. You are doing the impossible. This is something that we." that could not be done and you have done it anyway. And then still someone goes crazy and kills a bunch of people and everything goes wrong anyway. Um, specifically, you know, Rika's dead again, which means mm-hmm. that she has to try again. Yeah. Um, but why couldn't you pick, even if you didn't pick that police officer, you could pick someone who's a no name character that we didn't even right. see and have them do it. But, like there yeah, is no way to beat someone that's, that's this kind of a puppet master. That can just OP kill everybody. Yeah, every time. Thank you. All right, let's go on to our final reviews then. Uh, Jeremy, you picked it. Uh, again, we're just for this first 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. We will be talking about the rest, but what did you think? Um, I thought it has some really great strong points. Uh, the the intrigue when it's there is really interesting. The first arc is is great. Um, there's there's even like the moment where, where Reyna is saying, um, when she's trying to kill him and she's saying, you know, I thought I was forgiven. I thought Lord Oriashi or Oyashiro or whatever was was for, he's forgiven me, but he hasn't forgiven me. So I'll kill you and then I'll disappear. And like just moments like that really got me and they made me want to learn, you know, what's the real story? What's the mystery behind this? But um like you were saying, just the the way that they keep resetting everything and not giving you an explanation I find it really dissatisfying and we are three arcs in and that's more than 50% of this anime as far as episodes go. Um, so I, I kind of expected to see more of a link between resets by this point, at least a little bit. Um, but instead it seems like there's more contradictions than links. Um, so I very tentative in my expectations of where they can go with this. Because how do they explain all of the plot holes that they created without making something that doesn't matter? Um, so I liked some of the parts, but overall, I've got to give it a three. All right. Jason, what did you think? 
I'm thoroughly enjoying myself. Um, but like I said in the outset, I do agree with a lot of you guys' criticisms. Some of the stuff doesn't quite make sense, and I see a ton of potential here. Um, I really like the characters and kind of the sweet and horror like mix. I think it's an interesting idea that I haven't really seen before. Um, but it, unfortunately right now, it's just kind of sitting on a lot of potential and I'm excited for that potential. But if I have to judge just these, this first half, I would also give it only a three. Yeah, I'm at a three as well. And I think everything that I'm upset about could be easily fixed and, and I could be talking out my butt. Uh, as soon as these next episodes start. So that that's totally fair. And I promised my daughter I'd finish it. So no matter what, I have to finish this anyway. So let's <laughs> let's go ahead and finish it and see what yep. happens. Um, Does your daughter like it? Yeah, she she absolutely loves it. She's not really happy oh, with okay. my, my criticisms. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> my wife who watched it ag- agreed with me, though. We were, uh, I, I've talked about it a lot. Um, yeah, I think... I think there's a lot of potential there. I wish we could get back to the creepiness of the first arc. That was yes, pretty perfect as far as, as the mix of the sweet and the creepy and giving me the weird vibes. Um, it it kind of moved away from that in, in these later ones. And I, I'd like to see more of that come back into play. And I think as we get into resolution, we won't. I don't feel like we would. Um, but three for me, and we'll we'll see where we go um we didn't mention that rena the reason she said something about if i kill you then it won't kill my father she was trying to save her father yeah one of her motives i forgot to mention that um but i did feel like that would be important all right um our next anime is this anime (laughs) (laughs) episode 14 through 24 um and then we'll finish talking about that next week and then we're probably going on to another but i don't know what i think it's your pick jason i don't know what's what you're gonna pick, but my pick is almost definitely gonna be a horror. So we'll see. All right, let's. Uh, oh, if you would like to comment um, on these 13 episodes, please don't spoil us until we get there. Um, but are your thoughts on Higurashi when they cry? Please reach out to us on our Twitter at Baka Podcast, or email the Anime Baka Club at gmail.com, or leave a comment wherever you found the video or podcast, and we will get back to you. Uh, I think it's time for us to say goodbye. Thanks for listening. Nipa! Sayonara. <laughs> <laughs>